Hello, and welcome to Talks with Sarah No Socks, a podcast about failure and how it's leading us to success. Each week, I sit down on Mondays and share my weekly failures with you. And I'm joined on Fridays with a special guest who's sharing their own story of failure and how that's led to their current success. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's show. Well, welcome everybody to this week's episode of Talks with Sarah No Socks. I'm so excited to sit down with Lacey this week and chat with her. You, I'm sure, know who she is if you're on Twitter and in the No Code community. Uh, Lacey is no stranger to No Code. She has done a ton in the community in such a short time, and I can't wait to chat with her about it. She's the founder of Women in No Code, the co-founder of the Visual Dev Company, where she co-hosts a podcast, and they're building an education platform. And she was most recently, um, I guess, appointed is the proper word, or took a role as the head of education at Adalo. So super excited to have her on the show and can't wait to hear her journey. Thanks, Lacey. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's really exciting to be here. I love love getting to chat and share and um, this community is one of the best communities there is to be a part of. And so I'm just just so thankful for all of it. Yes, thank you so much. I know the NoCo community is so supportive and encouraging. It's just really refreshing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty new to it myself. But mm-hmm. so you have such an interesting background in no code, but I know there's so much more to the story. So why don't mm-hmm. you give the listeners a little bit of an intro to who you are? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So um, I, you know, have found my way into tech by pure accident. Um, <laughs> I did not ha- ever have any intentions of, you know, being in tech, no aspirations. Um, at all for here, but I worked for a small um, SaaS company here where I live in Fort Worth, and I just kind of fell into a product role. I kind of jumped around to see what what fit me, and product was was definitely my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even know that it was a SaaS company. I didn't know that that was a thing. When <laughs> um, I fell into it, I just knew that we had like a really bad um, web app and it needed to be updated. And so, um, you know, went into that and there's, there's a lot to say there. Um, you know, maybe, maybe later on as we're talking, but, um, thought, okay, well, I love creating so much and I love, um, building these like digital product ideas. So maybe I'll really love software engineering. So Mm -hmm. quit that and went into software engineering and about 18 months in, realized like, oh gosh, I don't like coding at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is not my thing. And um, I remember telling my husband, I was like, I think I've made a mistake um, oh, no. because, you know, I don't like coding. And he was very supportive and kind. And it was just like, okay, well, I mean, you know, like you've got to figure out what your thing is. And so I was like, I know. Um, Anyway, and so through a, a series of events, I ended up um, finding out about Webflow. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is it. Like, I didn't even realize visual development was a thing mm-hmm. and started working in Webflow. And I'd really never done too much, like, front-end work, like, uh, just websites. I'd mostly been working, like, with all uh, back-end apps. And so um, it was it, 
definitely a new experience for me, but I just loved it and fell in love with it right away and just jumped in and started creating. And then I thought, um, well, you know, like, I wonder if there's more to this. Mm -hmm. And so started just, I got on Twitter and I had like, I, I was not using Twitter for anything but stalking, you know, like that, that's <laughs> yes. all my account was. Um, I never posted anything, but I just started kind of like following different people and watching what they were doing and probably watched them for a good six to nine months, which is, is you know, wild to me that I waited that long. But anyway, so waited that long and then... Um, decided to jump into it because my thought was like, I, I am so passionate about this. And if I can bring in my product knowledge and my software engineering knowledge and marry the two and, you know, like infuse that with no code, like, I feel like I can really be a value here. And so I started a YouTube channel as one does and yep. <laughs> began doing some, like some very cringy tutorials, um, on the on you know different stuff and um from there I don't know how they kind of started uh circulating around a little bit but that introduced me to Ben and Matt who are my um podcast co-hosts uh -huh. and um then just the whole thing just kind of began evolving and growing far beyond what I had initially expected or was even going after so um, it definitely has all worked out, thankfully, but um, I did not think it was going to in the beginning. <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting into. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's an amazing story. I love that. There's so much to unpack there. I think I've seen a theme recently in the no-code community of a lot of folks coming from product um, mm -hmm. and and engineering um, that are transitioning over to no code for that reason that they, you know, find they can do it so much faster with these tools and kind of use the knowledge they already have to launch something, but learn new skills along the way to help build it and launch it. It's so fascinating yeah. to me that that's going to be a whole sector and so much knowledge there. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That's crazy. And props to you for sticking it out for co with coding for 18 months. Well, I yeah, <laughs> it was, oh. It was not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and so, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I when I first started into it, um, I have two daughters. My youngest daughter was, uh, I think, three or four weeks old. And I was like, sure, why not just add on another obligation on top of a brand new human and a toddler, you know? Not good. And learning to balance that um, was extremely difficult because of the varying needs and you know, lack of sleep and yeah. all of that fun stuff. But it really did teach me that, you know, it's like you move forward by an inch rather than a mile, you know, like you move forward gradually. And that was what I just kind of kept holding on to was that, you know, every day or every other day, I'm making a little bit of progress. I'm better than, you know, I'm learning more than I did yesterday. I'm able to build something I couldn't build before. And, um, that has definitely helped me now in things that I'm building and working with of, of just kind of seeing that, you know, it's, it's progress and not, not just these huge products being launched overnight. Yeah. 
Exactly. The incremental success is just so valuable. And I think we overlook it far too often. So kudos to you that that's what uh, coding school taught you, because I think it's a learned skill for sure. <laughs> yeah, You forget, right. you think, oh, you go through an entire week and you didn't accomplish anything. Meanwhile, you've done 50 things and, yeah. and you know, just accomplish the larger goal. I That's great. So I, I want to touch on coding and it, I just still can't believe you had two children, very small infant baby, <laughs> uh, while you were doing this. But so you're going through school and you, you think this is going to work out. And at some point, I'm sure you had to wrestle with a very tough decision there because you had a lot of, I would guess, financial costs and also personal time investment. So talk to me about what that was like and, you know, how you made that decision. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I'd invested so much time into it and like, you know, learning to code is, is not cheap by yeah. any means. I don't know. Um, but ultimately it was like, this, this doesn't make me happy. Um, like I dread it. And I was sad that I dreaded it because I was so excited about it mm-hmm. and really was, you know, I'm the kind of person that the best way that I work is if I'm excited about what I'm working on and I believe in the mission behind it. And everything outside of that, I can kind of deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got to be, got to be excited and got to believe in the purpose. And that once I realized that that was no code for me, like I believe so much in no code mm-hmm. um, for the for the possibilities of of what it can do. That obviously I was excited about it, and it was just kind of like, okay, well, these are all parts of learning. You know, I didn't go to a traditional, um, like four year university. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of have learned along the way through various boot camps or online courses, you know, books, all that sort of stuff. And um just kind of chalked it up to like that was my experience of learning something that I didn't necessarily I'm not gonna do in a career, but I'm glad that I learned it and it certainly has helped me um, you know, with, with projects, but, um, I don't, I don't chalk it up to a loss by any means, but it was definitely not what I expected when I started. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I think a lot of people would consider it. Well, I I often find a lot of folks feel like once they've invested costs that they have to see it through. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've fallen victim to that myself, but I think it's really Mm -hmm. important to do exactly what you just said, right? That was amazing advice. Um, if it doesn't make you happy, it doesn't really matter how much you've spent on it. Like this right. is you and your life and right. <laughs> your happiness affects everything around you. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. Great. So yeah. you found Webflow, but uh-huh. now you work for Adalo. So uh-huh. <laughs> how'd that happen? Yeah. It's so, it's such a bizarre thing that happened. So I am like obsessed with Webflow's education team. Um, I have looked for job openings there because I thought it would be so fun to work on their education team. And, um, but I've been doing my own stuff. I do, uh, or I was doing freelancing and consulting. And so I was, I was really happy doing my own thing and projects and women in no code and podcasts and all that good stuff. And um, I have 
you know, I knew the Adalo team. We'd collaborated on stuff before with the podcast, knew that they were great people. And um, they reached out to me and they're like, hey, we have a job opening that we think we'd like to, you know, see if anybody, women in no code would want to be interested in. Yeah. And I was like, okay, great. And so I was like, let's hop on a call. I'd love to hear about it and just make sure, you know, everything's aligned across the board. Mm-hmm. And we get on the call and um, they were like, well, so we thought about it and we think we'd actually like to go in a different direction. And I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> what are you thinking? And they were like, well, we'd like to still hire for this role, but we're thinking we want to create another role as head of education. And if we did, would you be interested in it? And I was just like, what? Like, I was not expecting yeah. that at all. And um, so we talked and talked and, um, you know, they fleshed out the the role and um, then, you know, came back to me with it. And it was just like, wow, this is, this is a, you know, a, a dream offering and to get in, you know, on the ground level and to, at Adala, we do things uh, in a little bit different manner in that, like, we kind of have uh, differences, like we have customer experience and we have mm-hmm. growth and we have education and all that. So it's kind of, it's like, I'm over the education part and I really get to build it out um, using my background and expertise and going forward um, with the platform. And that was something that was really exciting to me. Um, And it it was really funny because it was like, you know, I always thought I'd want to join an education team, but I never thought I'd be like like heading one up. And so that was really like a cool, a really cool thing to, to get to experience and and start in. So yeah, um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Like I, it pin, like I have to pinch myself to believe that that really happened um, because I wasn't looking for anything. And mm-hmm. to have, you know, to have um, a company approach you is just, just such a, you know, it's a very humbling experience. Like it made me feel extremely grateful. And, um, you know, it's kind of a dream scenario. So um, yeah. it and it's it's working out great. And I'm really excited about it. And and what we're, what we're going to launch. Awesome. Yeah. I, I just was amazed when I heard it. I wasn't surprised, but I was like, oh man, all this cool stuff is happening in the no-code community. I think um, it's so important, right? To put out your knowledge into the world because you just never know who's watching and yours is a perfect example of that. Obviously people were paying attention to all of the things you were doing and all of the education you were providing. And even though it wasn't for their specific platform, there was value there and they knew yeah. that. And so uh, they reached out to you. I, I think that's pretty phenomenal. You yeah. talked you talked earlier about your cringy YouTube channel. I got to hear oh, yeah. about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. So so this is another good example of like, so I, I'm a big believer in content. Like at heart, I'm a content creator and I, I get so fulfilled with creating content and trying to come up with interesting ways to learn things. I'm big into education. I was someone who like struggled with education. And so I'm a big believer in like empowering people to learn and giving them the correct tools to set them up for success. But um, so, yeah, so I started this YouTube video. I knew nothing about YouTube. I knew nothing about how to edit a video. Mm-hmm. I had a friend's camera who, you know, I had it on loan for like a year and had been sitting in my closet. <laughs> and so I was like, I might as well use this thing. And, um, just started out like 
jumping into it and was like, you know, I don't know where this is going to go, how it's going to go. Um, but I, I didn't realize it at the time that I had started like the first, you know, no code YouTube channel, which is fun to think about. But, um, so just started putting out tutorials and funny enough, like, um, her name is Min Kim. She works on the Bloomberg beta, uh, team with investment. She saw one of my videos and then asked us to come in and do a training series with their team based off of what she saw. So like, if you're ever thinking about putting out content, it doesn't matter if it's cringy, (laughs) it's going like, there is such a good chance that like, you never know who's watching, like you said earlier. And that opened up so many doors for me and, um, and for Ben and Matt and allowed us to test some, some theories that we've been working on, um, around no code education and, um, has just been a phenomenal thing. So we, I actually have a meeting tonight about what more like to put more content back on that YouTube channel. Uh, we've let it kind of, kind of lapse with all the other stuff going on, but, um, it's an excellent way. Like YouTube is, is such a great, such a great platform between YouTube and Twitter literally have changed my life within the course of 18 months. So, yeah, that's amazing. I, I love it. I too have some pretty cringy YouTube videos. I just keep yeah. going. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. I just exactly. I just throw them up exactly. there. I'm like, I, if yeah. My big thing is if I can figure something out, I feel like I have to share it with everybody because if uh-huh. I was struggling with it, there was somebody else who was struggling with it. There's yep. always people ahead, but there's always people behind. behind. There's the people behind yes. that need the help to get ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I just tell folks who are nervous. I'm like, we're all nervous. We don't want to be on the internet, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Day, uh, it's exactly. just going to help you. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, I think it's, it's understanding that like the first, my favorite quote, and it has a curse word in it. I won't say it all the way here, oh, but it's can. like, no, you can. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's like the first draft of anything is shit. And I love that and live or try to live by that because it's just a, it's just a first time. Like you're going to get better the second time. You're going to be better the third, the fourth, the fifth, by the sixth time, you're not going to have a problem. Um, And it's getting past that first point and realizing like, okay, I see where I can improve and you keep going. Like we are, we are constantly improving and evolving and like, it's kind of cheesy to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's like how software has versions, you know, like we have versions and we're just getting better and better and better and iterating and, you know, changing and evolving. And so, um, yeah, I'm a big believer in like, it's okay if it sucks, like have it suck less the second time, you know, you're doing your best, give yourself a break and like be thankful with your progress that, you launch something because a week ago you didn't, you know? So. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. To all that. I totally agree. I'm, I'm the same way. I just, I'm like, well, it's better than not doing anything and wondering what if you, you right. have no idea if you are sitting on it and stewing about it. I'm an overthinker to the nth degree. <laughs> it took mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. years to move forward, but just like you, I have seen immense growth in six months of actively making steps and moving forward. So 
I think yeah. that sentiment can't be shared enough. It is going to be shit when you put it out, but right, exactly. keep going. It'll get better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, you have had so, so much success, but we all know I like to chat about failure here. So do you have a particular failure from your past that really stands out that helped you kind of achieve everything that you've done over the last 18 months? Um, my biggest failure to date is the first launch of a, so I told you that I started out as, you know, product of, head of products of a SaaS company. Mm -hmm. So when we had a really great system that we used um, and an internal thing that, that was built and that was our web app and it needed to be updated because it was built on old, you know, it was just old and it was a legacy application. And sure. Anyway, so went through all the pain of having it rebuilt and reskinned and the whole thing. And we launched it and we were already, let's see, uh, we launched it in April. We were supposed to launch it in January and January was like our hard stop, but it got pushed to April. And while that's not necessarily like super my fault, cause I didn't, wasn't writing the code. But um, anyway, so we launched it and then the whole thing crashed. All of our users lost their data (gasps) and we launched it during peak season. So uh, everything, I mean, it was, it was awful. At the same time uh, that this was happening, we were also disconnecting from a third party vendor that we had used that was integrated into our system. And they said, um, we're actually not going to give you your data files, which they were just being, you know, really they were being difficult yeah. to work with and breaking their contractual agreement. But um, so I was just in a like spin panic mode um, and trying to navigate this. I remember uh, I brought in like 20 temps to help with data entry to like pull data manually out of the system so that we could save it. Um, and then our developer who'd been working on all of this walked off the job. No, oh no, 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 <laughs> And it was the most stressed I'd ever been in my life. And, um, I mean, like the company that I was working for, who I'll mm-hmm. leave nameless here, um, had probably like tens of thousands of organizations that they service who were down and without service during peak time of their, when they use this software. And, um, for that to happen was just so bad. It was, you know, I took it as such a failure personally, because it was like, this was my baby in a way. And, you know, these were all of my things and, you know, it just fell flat on its face. Um, and it was not, oh, it was such a terrible experience. It was so bad. Um, thankfully, I mean, it took weeks, but everything got back up and running and smoothed out and, you know, didn't lose too many customers, but, um, it was, it was a failure. And, you know, I learned a lot about launching and a lot about, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, what to do and what not to do. And, for my first big launch, you know, it was, I learned more, more through the failure than I did through the creation process. Um, and also just learned like 
software is imperfect and things mm-hmm. happen and you know it's there it's not an exact science but um yeah it it was a doozy um <laughs> something that you know i still have talked to my therapist about because i'm just like can't believe that it happened um but anyway yeah it was it was a, it was a mess for sure yeah wow yeah that's kind of one of those horror stories that we hear about i think from <laughs> corporate a lot <laughs> like oh remember mm-hmm. that time that the product went live and didn't work at all <laughs> yeah oh yeah nightmarish oh, yeah. stuff um yeah. so did you end up having to take ownership for anything or did you internalize that ownership of the failure because you were the product lead um i, I internalized it um mm-hmm. i also think um some of the higher ups in the company weren't appropriately placing ownership on other people that have yeah. had ownership over it yep. um, and rather placing it on me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, in, in moments like that, people lose their head and they're cool and in stress. And so, um, you know, it, it, it happens, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I definitely internalized a lot of it of thinking, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. You always want to go and, you know, think that you could have made, better choices. But, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, you, you make the best choices with the information that you have and that's all you can do. Yep. And, exactly. you know, things are gonna, things are gonna crash. They're gonna do it. Um, but I think if I could go back, I would have not allowed myself to internalize it, mm-hmm. realizing that, you know, short of jumping into, you know, the developer, like, uh, command line or something. I mean, there's nothing I could have done that could have stopped that. Um, But, you know, just seeing it as it's also with working with a team and making sure that you have a good team in place. And um, so it, yeah, it, it's still one of those things that it's still a little hard. (laughs) I'm sure uh, it sounds like it. I know in those kinds of situations, I too internalize a lot when in fact it is a huge team failure, right? I mean, you you obviously are not the only person working on it. It's different when it's just you and you're your own company. Um, (laughs) Of course, then you don't really have anybody else to point fingers at. Um, But I think it's, it's so important when those kind of larger team failures happen that if you are internalizing, you make sure you're only taking on maybe what you feel like you could have done better and then just write it down so you know next time. Right. I often in those situations, it is a heightened state. You're very emotional and upset. And if you have bosses and things that are kind of, um, you know, coming down on you a little bit hard, it can be very difficult afterwards to really remember what went wrong and mm-hmm. what you would do differently next time. Um, I'm sure you learned a ton of amazing lessons from it and things that warning signs that you can look out for and different communication techniques. And uh, I'm sure there's a ton that you've gathered over the years from it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, And it, you know, it, it sucks that it happened. It was painful, but, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for it. And I'm thankful of what it, you know, revealed about just the whole situation and, and yeah. how you kind of overcome these things and, you know, even people's true colors, you know, that, that was good too, to see. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, yeah, definitely not something I ever want to experience again, but I'm, you know, I, I, I got that under my belt. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And I wonder, did it have any impact on 
your exit from product? Like, did that impact your decision? Was that timing correlated at all? Uh, funny you say that. Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> um, so at that time, what I didn't mention earlier was while all of this was happening, my dad was actually dying of stage four cancer. So I was his one, my brother and I were his mm -hmm. caregivers during this time. And so he was, we knew we were getting close to the end. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I just, I wanted to be with him. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to focus on, on whatever time I had left there. Mm -hmm. So I ended up, we launched in like April, I left in June and then, uh, he passed away in July. So, you know, the, the timing of it was really weird and terrible, but, um, it definitely gave me perspective of, you know, just, that's not, not what I want to do. Yeah. It's yeah. a horrible situation, but I'm really happy that you were able to have that time. And I'm sure you were too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I don't have, have, uh, any regrets about that at all. Um, you know, just the whole thing was so incredibly stressful. Um, and it, it, it was a good thing to, to make that transition when I did and, um, definitely am, and the better for it now. You've taken all of that and, my gosh, you said it's just been 18 months, pretty much. Has that it been 18 months since that exit to today? No, oh, because no, you were in yeah. school. You were in coding school for right, 18 yeah. months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still yeah. a pretty so, short window. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. It is a really short window, like all things considered, for sure. Yeah. I think I left that company in, um, oh gosh, 2016. Okay. So, yeah. um somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, yeah. So relatively short to go from that to then, you know, having a baby and then to going into, you know, software engineering to then, you know, going into no codes. There's been a lot, a lot going on. So many moving parts. That's mm -hmm. wow. Amazing. And in the middle there, you were also doing freelance contracting work. Uh -huh. So <laughs> I talk with a lot of folks, almost everybody on here, I think, um, does some sort of freelancer contracting, even if they have a day job on the side. What, what advice do you have for folks who are dipping their toes into those waters? Um, I've actually teamed up with, uh, so I'm in the on deck, no code co cohort thing. Yes. And I teamed up with two other guys that um, I know really well, Alan and Joe, and we are launching a platform for purely for freelancers, for oh, visual developers. Love that. Uh, That's awesome. To give them education, resources, help them essentially like soup to nuts with everything. And then also working with companies to give for jobs um, and helping educate the companies on setting proper rates and all of that sort of thing. So um, that would we created this because the three of us have been freelancing, and we realized like as no code grows, so is the freelancing going to grow. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people are just picking it up on the side and have never done anything of the sort before. Yep. And so we we're like, okay, if we can spare them the pain <laughs> yes. that we have endured, um, then that's something that we want to do. So. Um, that, yeah, I really wasn't even going to plug, um, it's called visual. I wasn't even going to plug it on this at all. Um, but having a community has been so helpful. Like Ben and Matt, um, before Matt took over 8020, he had a agency called Webster piece 
Mm -hmm. And so he was doing, I mean, it was more agency work, but still lots of freelancing stuff. Yeah. Ben does freelancing on the side as well. And I mean, without them, I can't tell you like how many mistakes or how many things I would have contractual agreements I would have gotten into that I shouldn't have been in. Um, so it, it's, it's more than just doing a job and getting paid for it. You really are like, Mm -hmm. you need to know about contracts. You need to understand timeline. You need to understand scope. Mm -hmm. Um, you need to understand the tools, technical capabilities, um, so much of that. And so that, you know, something that if I were to tell someone going into freelancing right now, is I would say start off as small as you possibly can and allow for incremental growth. Everybody wants the $10,000, $20,000 jobs, right. and those are great jobs, but start off with the $500 jobs or the free jobs mm-hmm. um, or friends and family because that's also going to help you understand the dynamic that you're creating yes. and expectations and deliverables, timelines, all of that that's going to set you up a lot further than if you jump in with a bigger client, even if your work is really good, there's Mm -hmm. just a whole other business side to it that is there. And if it's managed properly, it can go really well. And if it's not, then it will not go well. Yes. That's Mm -hmm. amazing advice. And I'm so excited for this platform to launch. Um, I, it's so needed. It just freelancing, I think with COVID as well, you had a lot of folks enter the freelance community, not necessarily in no code, but in every sector, Mm -hmm. um, because they were laid off or hours were cut and they needed cash. And yeah, one thing I'm super, super grateful for that I failed miserably at last year was getting clients, but I spent a lot of time working with an attorney and going Mm -hmm. through a contract and getting insurance and doing all of the businessy side stuff that literally took me six months to be sure. I had right and I was comfortable and I understood what these language and clauses all meant. And that has just helped me so much this year because, you know, you get contracts in front of you and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> yeah. I have a problem with that. And you don't yeah. think about that because you're like, I just want to make cool shit and get paid. What's the problem? Right, right. <laughs> it's like, well, there's this other piece to it that is in the middle. So if you can help freelancers understand how to do that and companies understand how to accurately pay and appropriately pay people. Amazing. I can't mm-hmm. wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're really excited about it. And you know, it's something that <clears throat> have talked with so many different agencies around and they are having such a hard time finding freelancers. Like it, like there's a freelancer shortage. Um, Get which, out. It, it really like on for like, uh, stuff comes through a dollo a lot. And we're like, our experts are already taking so many jobs. Yeah. Like they're looking at like quitting their job now because they're getting so many or bubble. Um, like, and it's, it's been fascinating because some of these agencies are building web apps for larger companies. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. not labeling it as no code. Of course, like no one, no one in, in their realm cares how it's built. Sure. But um, seeing some of these projects come across of like, I cannot believe that this is built off a of bubble and nobody knows it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just really cool. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, that's very that. interesting yeah. to hear that there's a shortage of freelancers. Cause I feel like, hi, I'm here. Anybody? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, it's, I think it's, it's all about connections and network, yeah. you know, and that's mm-hmm. the hardest thing is, is getting that. And, yeah. um, and then, you know, it, it seems like you've got to, 
in some way differentiate yourself, however that whole thing works. Honestly, I'm glad to like be out of that realm right now because that was like the most stressful part to me. It is. Um, you know, I love working with the clients, but getting them in the door sometimes, you know, took every ounce of patience I had. Yes. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, definitely in terms of, you know, thinking of, and I say a shortage, I think I'm meaning as far as like people who are truly experts in their domain. Sure. Um, you know, like someone wants to build a, I don't know, a Bitcoin thing. I don't even know what I'm talking about, but something <laughs> like sounds really complicated. Right. And everyone's like kind of scratching their heads of like, huh, I don't know how we would do that. Um, so anyway, stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's... Um... I've seen a lot of no-code operations. They don't understand the tools they need and how to yeah. stack those tools to make mm -hmm. it work efficiently. They may have an amazing dev team that could put them all together. <laughs> but mm -hmm. yeah, they don't even know where to start with with these different tools. And yeah, the space I think is so new and very ripe for normalizing a bit of the language for companies who have no idea what no code is nor yeah. do they care, but they need the people that do. <laughs> right. Right. And bridging that gap. Um, you know, you talked about on deck and I had KP on when he just um was brought on to on deck and you know okay. they announced that they were launching in January and I'm I really need to get him back on to talk about it. Super jealous. Tons of FOMO about the on deck no code. Oh yeah. Um I think there's gonna be some really amazing stuff coming out of that in the next few weeks. So yeah. Yeah, I definitely do too. I'm so excited and so pumped for, for all of them. You know, that's one of the best things about the community is like everyone's excited for everyone. Even if they have competing products, like yeah. it's still, it's like we're all kids in candy stores, you know, and <laughs> it's, it's so, it's like no one cares if you got the same kind of candy. Everyone's just happy that everyone gets candy, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. It, it's pretty wonderful. Um, uh, I'm just excited to watch it grow. And I, I'm every day I'm like, oh, this is such a great community. I'm so glad I'm part of it. And it feels like it's this small, tight knit little group, right. even yeah. though it's so expansive, but it really does feel like a small town community. Maybe that's just yeah. me anyway. That's how yeah, it feels no, like to it, me. No, it definitely does. It it feels so small. And that's how I love about it. And I just feel like I'm getting, you know, getting to know even more people and just yeah. love that. And it, I really, really hope you know, depending on pandemic, but if we're able to do the no code comps this year, I think it's just going to be extraordinary. Um, yeah. If we can all kind of gather together, that would just, oh, it'd yeah. be so, such happy times. It would be awesome. I, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that that's a possibility, at least yeah. in the next, uh, you know, year or two, that would be great. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you have given such great advice and shared just so many wonderful insights. Do you have any parting wisdom for our guests at all? Um, nothing particular other than, you know, I would be, I would say, don't be afraid to fail. And I know that that sounds trite and like, oh yeah, easy, you know, easy, easier said than done, but really, you know, you're only going to get better and you have to put the judgments about your work and yourself aside and realize that you're doing the best that you can. And that's where everyone starts out. Everyone starts out on the bottom and you're going to, you know, keep staying on the bottom the longer you sit there. So, um, you know, don't be, don't be afraid. And, and like, I know that one thing I see around Twitter so much is like build in public and I love it. And I think it's great. But if you want to build in private, that's perfectly fine, too. If that's where you're more comfortable, um, then I would say do that. You know, do what feels right to you. 
um, and get within a community that's going to be supportive of you and your endeavors. Um, that's probably the biggest piece is having like-minded people to cheer you on and give you good feedback will really take you a lot further than you could go alone. Yeah. That's amazing. Very sound advice. Community is huge. I was slow to find my community, um, but I'm I'm part of a few really amazing communities within the no-code community now. And yeah, it has made the world of difference. So I think that's great advice, especially if you are afraid of building public, which I know a lot of people who are introverted are, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Totally. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today and sharing your story and your failure. I really appreciate it. Where can um, folks find you? Yeah, um, I keep saying I'm going to put a website up, but it's been a year, so I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, just on Twitter, at Lacey Kessler is the best, the best place to reach me. I hang out there a lot. Awesome. I'll be sure to link it in the show notes and I'll link uh, Women in No Code so you can hop over to that community as well and all the cool things that you're doing all over the interwebs. Love it. Sweet. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And that wraps up this week's show. Thank you to our guest for joining us, sharing your journey, your fails, and lessons along the way. If you want to follow along in between episodes, you can catch me on Twitter at Sarah no Socks. And if you haven't already, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It really does help the podcast. Until next time, bye.